0: Hey guys, uh, it's me, Henry. So before we jump into today's show, I just want to let you know that the mic I was using had a couple of technical difficulties. So through the first like seven or maybe eight minutes of the show, it sounds like I'm super echoey or like yelling in some big empty room or something. Uh, that goes away quickly. So bear with us as we get through this first portion and then everything will be smooth sailing from there. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the show. Welcome into the DMVR Fantasy Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app in the United States. If you guys aren't on there yet, I don't know what you're doing because me, uh, myself, Henry Chisholm, uh, Andre Simone sitting next to me. The oh yeah, the two of us have been making a whole bunch of money on DraftKings Sportsbook. That's true. Uh, I'm not sure about Guy Casavant. I've
2: you, been me. living vicariously. I can tell you that's pretty exciting. Yeah, like um, if the uh, that's I mean, better
1: than anything I'm doing. I love that.
0: <laughs> if the Nuggets win this series, if the Nuggets wind up beating the Clippers. I'll buy a beer, guy. Yeah, see? Or you might buy your
1: beer. See, this is
2: my endorsement of DraftKings right here. Is yeah. Get your friends to play it. Get them to win. Listen to our uh, DMVR Bets daily podcast, and uh, you'll be on your way. And then, uh, yeah, you can reap the rewards. You can ride those coattails and uh, get free beers from your friends.
0: We are here just to talk about that sort of betting,
1: though. Far from it. We are here
0: to it. talk about a uh, more casual form of betting, a form of betting that most of us do engage in, um, all three of us, of course. And that is fantasy football. Uh, before we get into kind of our wrap-up of our previews of all the different positions yeah. by flying no. through the unimportant positions, which is quarterbacks <laughs> and the tight ends
2: and, you know... Who needs whatever. them?
0: Whatever. Yeah, nobody really cares. But we're going to get to all that.
2: We're going to cover punters, too?
0: Um, if you are in a fantasy league that includes punters, I don't think you're allowed to be on the show anymore. Oh no. not know. You-
1: I, I was you in one before. Probably are a DNVR subscriber if <laughs> no, you're in a no. league with a punter, <laughs> given these crazy formats. Some of our guys I played already. with punters in leagues before.
2: It's actually have pretty you? fun. That's yeah. It's pretty wild. They, do, they only get you like four points a game, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's just fun, man. Because there have been matchups that were won and lost based
1: on how punters performed. I kind of I'm it's against dope. a lot of things. Hey, man, that I could kind of endorse. Punters that I are people might. too. I might like that more than IDP. Right, you've got a kicker on your roster anyways. Why not a punter? I'm, yeah. I'm not opposed.
0: Why not offensive linemen? <laughs> I oh, want pancake points. Hey, there I, actually are
2: uh, head coach spots on a lot of different uh, fantasy sites. I like to that. I have no idea. Uh, I don't know how it works. I probably I like should have that. done a little more research on this, but I can tell you that there are spots for head coaches. Obviously, Bell Belichick is going, you know, first round. Uh, after that, I'd say Cliff Kingsbury. Um, <laughs> <this>. <laughs> what, a what a surprise. Stop. What a surprise. i so Time right. on dumb jokes <laughs> like that, so we're
0: moving on. But for the news of the week, which is, um, well, there's probably more, but the one that we actually care about is yeah. Leonard Ford Cornette is a tampa bay buccaneer yes. he's playing with tom brady he's playing in front of ronald jones and i'm sure that that's uh, some pretty rough news for some of you out there and do either of you have ronald jones i know
1: do nope. loved him. i like ronald jones he was at the end of my top 20 mm-hmm. i do not have him on oh well i have him on some dynasties where i invested in him uh, years ago and that investment has just plummeted
2: yeah uh, the signing uh... has been likened to uh, trying to fit a rhino into a clown car. I think I've heard people <laughs> talk about that before. Uh, I don't know see. what they're doing. I'm that backfield.
0: out watching that hockey game. night. Yeah. Like, maybe my metaphors weren't perfect.
2: That's fine. It, it's I, I like the uh, the visualization of it at least. Yeah, but true. uh That backfield is a mess, man. I don't uh, I don't the see this fast. actually benefiting Leonard Fournette in any way. It obviously doesn't benefit anyone else in that backfield. Uh, I really have absolutely no idea who to choose there, and I'm just going to avoid it at all costs. So I want no part of it. Uh, and you just hope someone else takes the risk on it so that uh, other players drop to you, and then you can uh, you know reap the rewards that way. But so gun
1: to your head, how do you guys think these? Bucks oh, running God. backs will rank fantasy-wise. One, two, three. It's got to is it Ronald Jones, LaShawn, McCoy, and then Fournette? You say Fournette, think, one.
0: Fournette, one. Ronald Jones, two. McCoy, three. Yeah, I mean McCoy, Keyshawn Vaughn, either one of those is a top up, toss-up. I think that at this point... I
2: think they, it's going to be dictated by how they approach their... Um, how seriously they approach their pass protection in training camp no, and lies based no. on their skill cuz they all have you know they have a decent amount of skill there and i'm sure brady is going to be appreciative of that but it's going to come down to can you protect brady and can he trust you cuz if he can't no. Uh, you're, you're done. Like, good luck. This isn't a yep. team that's run by Bruce Arians. It's run by Tom Brady first and foremost. Yep. And then Bruce Arians is along
1: for the ride after that. So We've seen that before in Denver with guys like Peyton. You know, you either beat to his drum or yep. you're gone. Yeah. And um, yeah, pass bro is going to be huge. And uh, who can, who can be that safety blanket for Brady in the passing game? Who can yeah. be that James White type? Exactly. Yeah. And I, and Deion Lewis before he left. My baby. money would be on Ronald Jones just slightly being that pass
2: catcher, but yeah. I'm not convinced, it's man. It's not an investment you want to make. It's not something that you want to have to deal with on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's it's something that you want to waste away. your time with. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah.
0: So, I, I, I will say this, though. I, I, there are situations where I do think that you just have to take some chances, and I was in one of those last night, and I was kind of talking to you guys during this draft where I wound up taking Michael Thomas in the first because weird things happen, and uh, I ended up with Miles Sanders – but then behind him, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, Marlon Mack, Latavius Murray. To me, when I'm in a situation like that, where it's like, here's a whole bunch of guys. Uh, this is a shotgun blast. Hopefully, one of them winds yeah,
2: but up. They all have high ceilings.
0: I know. I, uh, Fournette is one of those guys who I would include yeah. in that list as a guy.
2: Uh, I think his, I think his ceiling is capped though. Yeah. Yeah. Just because of that that situation, it's a it's a new offense. Like not it's not. We're not just talking about like a new head coach or a new offensive coordinator or a new quarterback. It's all those damn things. And now you're bringing in this whole stable of running backs. And a new tight end, like their identity is like one of the wildest in the NFL right now. You have absolutely no idea what's going to happen with that team. Like, is Gronk going to dominate catches? Is Mike Evans with his lack of separation, like, how's he going to perform? Is Chris Godwin going to live up to the hype? What's going to happen in the backfield? Is Tom Brady going to be able to keep slinging it? What kind of offense are they going to run? You have, there's so many questions with that offense. I want absolutely no part of it in any way, shape, or form, not at quarterback, not at wide receiver, tight end, or running back. Just miss me with all of that, man. Yeah. It's going to be exciting to watch on a weekly basis, but I don't want to be invested in it.
0: That's fair. Yeah. I will say, you know, we talked a lot about following the money, in particular with running backs. There isn't a whole lot to go off of here, but yeah. it's worth noting at the very least that Leonard Fournette is on a one year deal worth $2 million. It can get up to $3.5 million. For some perspective, LaShawn McCoy is making $1,050,000 this year. I mean, I do think that out of this group, Fournette has to be the most talented. You know, the problems are with his vision. I think
2: that-, that doesn't mean that he's going to live up to
1: wherever you need to draft him at. So that's yeah, that's true. Yeah, I just don't think it's there for Fournette.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think that's a it's a wait and see sort of situation. So moving along.
0: Moving along. What other news do we want to get to? Is there really anything else worth?
1: Touching? Not, Not really. really. I mean,
2: we've got some minor injuries going on. We've got a continuation of other injuries, like Alvin Kamara. This is all, you know. Uh, Weekly basis, sort of stuff. So, um, nothing really pertinent in terms of updates. So,
0: all right, let's get into these quarterbacks then. Let's, and uh, you know, this is one of the tough situations. I think we're all on kind of the same page in our general thought process about the quarterback. You know, there are maybe a pretty clear top two, and then after that, maybe four more. I think we agree upon, and maybe the gap between those four and what's to come behind. Um, that's where there is some separation, uh, just so you guys have some sort of idea where we're going with this, but let's just dig in at the top with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, um, by far the top two, you know, I think that Lamar Jackson should be a pretty clear cut number one. Do you guys have any objections to that?
1: No, he's definitely a number one because of those rushing yards that he can bring to you and what an asset that is. But
2: where that number one at quarterback fits into the draft as a whole. Yeah. uh, That's highly debatable. And I think it's also very dependent on what kind of league rules um, that your personal league has. Um, Like we were talking about before the show, um, we're in a couple of leagues here where it rewards a point per rushing attempt, which is really not that common of a rule, (laughs) but it's, it's something worth paying attention to. If that happened to be a rule in your league, Lamar Jackson, all of a sudden, Like he went from a quarterback and half of a running back to a full quarterback and a full running back in one package. And that, that takes him from like a late second round, early third in my mind to like a definite first. Yep. That's a league winner right there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about, you know, value above replacement. That's something we've kind of tossed around in our conversations privately. That's a metric I've messed with before. Um, Pretty easy to implement Lamar Jackson's value above replacement last year. What was he? he was 80 points better than the second best quarterback. It's a gap. And that gap translates to what the same gap between the number two quarterback and oh, the 22nd. So I was looking,
0: I was looking yep. at by per game, which is actually even more impressive than your statistic, because yeah. Lamar only played 15 games. He missed man. one and could have crazy. attacked on another 30 miss. points right there. He was so
2: good that they decided to sit him out for the playoffs.
0: That's <laughs> yeah. like you just taking into consideration. Yeah. That's true. Yes, that is, is true. Yes, but looking is. at these per-game numbers, which is what I always do. We'll go on this tangent real quick. I always think that what I want to do instead of looking at total points <laughs> is look at the per-game points and sort by that, then look at the games and say, okay, is this something that I expect to happen again, or is yeah. this a guy I trust? It's and reasonable. we'll throw that in there real quick. And so as I'm looking through this and the points per game, Lamar Jackson at 28.1, that's first. Second is at 21.8, and that's Dak Prescott. That gap, that uh, that gap right there is the same between number one and number two as the distance between number two and number 22. Yep. That is the difference between Lamar Jackson and the field. And it is worth noting, as Dre brought up earlier when we were talking about this, that Patrick Mahomes the year before
1: 2018,
0: was yep. was right there, was right there at about the same number, maybe even just a little bit ahead of Lamar Jackson yep. and what he did last year. And so if you're just looking at last year, Lamar has this pretty significant advantage. If you think that maybe Mahomes is going to come back, maybe this is a little bit closer of a conversation. But how repeatable is that? What
2: he did yeah. last year was historic, but how repeatable is it? You're basically buying him at his ceiling. And if he doesn't perform at that ceiling, you're kind of you're losing out on a lot of other prospects that are available around that range, especially at positions that are more depleted like running back. Yeah. Yeah. The fact of that in as well. You
1: have to. It's it's not too dissimilar from the argument we were making for Michael Thomas, where the difference between him and the next best guy might make him the rare exception where if there's a quarterback I can endorse in that first to second round range. It's Lamar Jackson just because of that value above replacement. But frankly, that's not the move I would make in a standard redraft format. Of course, dynasties, I think quarterbacks are incredibly more valuable than running backs because their their careers last three times as long. Um, but yeah, in a redraft, I think we all agree that while... We'd consider guys like Lamar. We'd consider guys like Michael Thomas. We might get into a tight end that we would consider uh, deviating from our back-to-back running back strategy in the first two rounds. These are exceptions that we'd consider, but our general strategy is to try to bang out running backs. Because as I've said before, the quarterback is one of those positions where you're almost going to get a good producer almost by accident later in the draft yep. if you just let him fall to you.
0: Yeah, I-, I agree. And here's my question. So, yesterday in that draft, we're in the fourth round. It's a 12-team draft. Uh, I'm sitting at, I think, like the sixth pick. So, toward the middle of the fourth round, I was trying to decide, do I take Lamar Jackson, do I try to bulk up on the running back somewhere else? Patrick Mahomes went off the board about three picks in front of me, and I saw that and thought, if I'm sitting here with a quarterback off the board, And it's not Lamar Jackson. How do I pass up this opportunity? Do you think that it is, at that point, worth taking a quarterback in that
1: situation? In the fourth? Yeah, in the fourth. And you already had your running backs.
0: I didn't. I had one of them.
1: No, I don't think it's worth it. I think you're better off just waiting just yep. waiting it out. I'm I've been getting like guys like Matt Ryan and Matthew Stafford and like the ninth and tenth. Yep. These are guys who could pa- who could have easily five thousand yard seasons.
2: I mean, I'm looking at ADP right now for Matt Stafford and I'm seeing him, yeah, like middle of the tenth. It's round. insane. Yeah, that's crazy, man. It's insane.
1: And uh, to think, Jameis was the fifth highest producing quarterback in all of fantasy last year because he threw for five thousand yards. He also threw thirty picks.
2: Yeah, but he was still producing that much. Right. Mm-hmm. And where would you where would you get him in the draft? oh he was undrafted i'm pretty sure yeah waiver wire is where you're getting yeah so like it's not worth it for you to go out of your way to try and pick like a guy that's maybe like the you know number seven number eight uh quarterback like say someone like i mean i'm just looking right right now at adp (laughs) this is laughable tom brady is going in the sixth round
1: insane, man. Crazy. Why
2: would you There's do no that? There's no reason.
0: There's His, no reason.
2: Yeah, we're talking about this. Isn't even the twilight of a. You career. have to this be the like...
1: the like ultimate Tom Brady fan to waste a sixth rounder. Yeah, why on would
2: you him? want to do anything of the sort?
1: Dude, when you could I wouldn't a endorse like a twelfth rounder, on yeah, Brady.
0: That's what I'm saying. And and just to throw this out there, Tom Brady was 16th in points per game among quarterbacks last year. Yeah.
1: Not great, guys.
0: You're you're expecting what him to take a pretty massive leap all the way back up into the top 10 in his age 43 season. Like it's it just no not worth sense, it when man. you can go after so many of these other guys
1: who are just sitting Even there. when he was winning Super Bowls, he still wasn't, yeah. you know, the poster child had, for a fantasy quarterback. He had one season with Randy Moss where they went over 5,000 yards. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of the way, I was still like, in high school when that happened. Right. He's mm-hmm. a mid he's a middling fantasy performer at the end of his career who at this point over 40 might even be injury prone Yeah. So, That baffles me. Yeah, the way people treat quarterbacks is so unique in fantasy because people kind of deviate from just looking at the numbers and you get enamored with these guys who are super popular. They're name brand guys. I mean, I'm happy with Jared Goff at the end of my drafts. I'm happy with Kirk Cousins at the end of my drafts. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, I am buying hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got. I've talked up Calvin Ridley and Julio and, I mean, Brian Hill even, like, I'm buying that Atlanta offense in general. You know, there's endless options,
2: man. And, these again, these are guys you're getting in, like, the ninth, 10th round, yeah. maybe even later. Why and not? Around that point, you're looking for, like, a wide receiver 5 or 6 and maybe, like, your second handcuff running back. You know, that's what other people are working on at that point. And they have to make up for maybe some of the guys they missed out on earlier in the draft. So they're mm-hmm. playing catch-up while you're ahead – and you have a pick of a lot of really good, high potential guys that are back there as well. So,
0: yeah. And, and I think.
1: Uh, it's a quarterback group that's like 25 deep, guys. It is. Yeah. It is. There's no,
0: there's no reason to take one early. No. I'll just I'll throw this no. out there again. You know, the, by, by the average, it's 28 points for Lamar and then 22 for Deshaun Watson. 21, 21, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20 19, 18, 18, 18. So, like, like, there are so many guys yeah, all bunched up right together. there. To, to say one is worth drafting around two rounds, three rounds in front of another, I just can't get there.
1: The other thing is what Guy was just saying about Jameis Winston. You found him on the waiver wire, a top five producer. Yep. Lamar Jackson wasn't going, like, super high in fantasy leagues a year yeah. ago. Patrick Mahomes was not going super high in fantasy leagues two years ago. Like... If you waited on your quarterback and you got one of those guys the last few years, you were probably making a deep playoff run if not just running away with your league. Yeah. So history, recent history has shown us, wait it out, let the guys who everyone else didn't want fall to you, and just enjoy it.
2: Yep. Yeah, and as much as I do want to uh, pound the table here for the Cardinals offense and Kyler Murray, uh, I do think he's going to have a breakout year, but like you're saying... This isn't going to be on par. Exactly. This is going to be on par with what Lamar Jackson did, even if he puts Mm. up those stats. Lamar Jackson was a guy you were getting in the 12th, 14th round versus Kyler Murray. You're going to have to end up spending. I'm just looking here right now. um, This is like a mid fifth round pick. Yeah. um, And that's kind of just, again, too high for the potential there. Uh, Even if it pans out, you're still missing out on a lot of the guys like wide receivers and running backs Mm -hmm. um, that could be benefiting your team more. Um versus, you know, that value over replacement that you would getting from like a Matt Stafford or a Matt Ryan. So
0: here's a question you. for you guys. And this is one where I think there's about a fifty fifty split among fantasy football players. How many quarterbacks are you going to draft? Are you going to take one and just ride with him or are you taking two?
2: We were just having this discussion it, vehemently oh really? earlier. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it really depends on league size and bench numbers, right? Yep. Yeah.
2: And I mean dynasty and everything else, but yes, of course. For the most part, I mean, even in a dynasty, I'm begrudgingly taking a backup quarterback. What? Yep. I am fully of the opinion that you should only ever have one quarterback on your roster. And if you need to plug someone else for a bye week and your guy's worth keeping, then sure, put him on your bench for that one week, put in the the other guy, and just go about your business after that. If you're at the point where you're taking a guy later in the draft and you can stream, just stream. Like you should not be taking up that much space on your bench, especially in a season where I'm just going to keep hitting this point, higher incidence of soft tissue injuries and obviously COVID. Mm -hmm. You're going to need that space on your bench for running backs and wide receivers. It should not be taken up by a guy who has like, it's a onesie position. There's only one guy you can play there. You're only gonna be able to play one of them at any one given time. You shouldn't be taking up a, a bench spot with that guy who... Potentially, he isn't even going to see the field. And if he does, that means you have to take the other guy out. So you should be just locking up your bench with nothing but running backs and wide receivers. We'll get to tight ends a little bit later, but I'm fully of the opinion you should only ever have one quarterback on your team.
0: I feel I feel you there. I think that as long as you're playing in a league with 12 teams or less, the move yes. is probably, again, a redraft. the The move has to be to just take one. Um, I will say that there That's have been... the
1: Mendoza line, though, for me, is 12 teams or less.
0: Yep. And and I will also add that there are times when I'm tempted, you know, if I really am being as patient as I want to be, if I get down there and it's like, okay, round nine, round 10, time to grab somebody. That is where I kind of get tempted to take a second and say, you know what, I'm going to take a flyer on a Drew Lock. I'm going to watch him for two weeks as a second guy, and maybe he winds up being one of those guys who... Does catapult all the way up to the top. Now, obviously, if you have a Lamar Jackson, a Deshaun Watson, a Dak Prescott, uh, a Mahomes, a Russell Wilson, you know, which honestly, most teams are of course going to have one of those guys because that's half of a twelve-team league. You know, if you do have one of those, it's not worth taking that flyer. There are times where I do see a value and say, you know what, let me see what happens with Drew this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, good guys might drop. You know, there's always it's no no draft fantasy or real um every single picks in a vacuum you know yep so yep it's all about who else was available So yeah.
0: those are some uh, very general thoughts about quarterbacks uh let's jump into guys who you like you know what what does your top five look like you know we've kind of nailed down Lamar number one Mahomes number two who deserves to be up there
2: Uh, I mean, I think Dak Prescott with that offense, all the weapons he's got there. Yep. I would probably put him at number three with a Kyler Murray right behind him at number four there. Yeah. I just think, I mean, that offense just caters itself to fantasy points. The the fast pace, not letting the defense get into their sets and not letting them make substitutions. They're going to be able to exploit that, and they're just going to run so many plays. There's going to be so many opportunities for points there for Kyler Murray. He's good on his feet. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of options to throw to, a lot of safety valves. He obviously made some mistakes last year, but I think that he's a very cerebral quarterback that's going to learn from that. And he, like, he learned in that offensive system in college, and now he's just playing in it again with Cliff Kingsbury here in Arizona. So um, there's a lot of consistency there for him. Even if they're bringing in a new guy in DeAndre Hopkins, he's so good that he's going to really, he's only going to benefit the system instead of
0: needing things to be changed for him. And I'll kind of share some more of my thoughts here on Kyler Murray. He was very good at what he was asked to do. He was very good at what he was asked to do. But a lot of the time, it was a lot of RPO. Like, it's a one-read Look to your receiver, throw him the ball. You know, going back and watching a few of his games, you very rarely saw him come off that first read and try to progress through things. And again, it's because that's not what that offense was built to do last year. It was very much meant for him just to be making that one reading. So what's that tell you for next year? I think that they're going to open things up. I think that they're going to make him make more decisions. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury is. And, you know, I do think that even the few times that he did come off his first read, he was successful. But now he's going to be asked to do that more. Is that going to hold up? And that really will be the key for him to be successful in this scheme and to really take his game up a level and increase that fantasy production. That's what you're betting on here, in my opinion, is as the offense kind of develops around him and becomes more complex, can he keep up? I would bet yes. But again, I don't want to gamble if I'm taking a quarterback with a top six round pick a top seven round pick, I'd much rather just wait and get somebody
1: stable. Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, I think we agree. Like, yep. There's yeah. no value in the top five guys when you can just wait on Matt Ryan or Matthew Stafford. Yeah, Matthew Stafford, you
0: know? by the way, only played eight games, fourth in points per game last year. He's right up there. Yeah. He was on pace, though, for 5,000 yards and 30 yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, He's like, he was always
2: on pace on for 5,000 <laughs> yeah. yards. I know, but that's my point. And you like,
1: love that receiving core, right? Yeah. And they've got no running game, as you keep telling us, guys. Exactly. So why not? I
2: love everything about it. And I think another thing, important thing to look at uh, his early season schedule when you're looking at a quarterback as well, especially one of these guys in the late rounds that you might end up playing for a couple weeks and then start streaming after that. Uh, someone like a Daniel Jones has obviously been getting a lot of hype. He had some very big games last season. Mm-hmm. He starts the season off with a very difficult schedule. He's a guy that if someone drafts him and ends up, you know, going on like a say one in three in their first four games, they're going to be dropping him. He's going to be available on the waiver. Hour. He's not a guy that's worth a draft spot in my opinion. His schedule gets very good later on in the season, but you let someone else take the risk early in the season and take the hit and have to go through those bad games. And if they drop him, they drop him, and he's yours for free. And then you can recoup all of that later on in the season, picking him up on the waiver wire. Whereas someone like a Matt Stafford, he starts to get – I mean, his first game is against the Bears, so that's going to be a tough test. But after that, Packers, Cards, uh, Saints, Jags, Falcons, those are all, like – those are going to be high-scoring games, man, uh, especially, like, Jags, Falcons, Saints – Even like the Cardinals, they have improved their defense to a certain extent, but it's going to be a fast-paced, like Mm high-scoring game. Like If the Lions have to play chase with the Cardinals, they're going to be throwing a lot. So Washington, uh, I mean, the Vikings, their defense is not what it used to be. The Panthers are horrible. Texans really don't have a good defense, and then they play the Bears again. But for those first, what was that, 10, 11 weeks with Matthew Stafford? You're just going to be sitting golden, man. And then if you're able to pick up a Daniel Jones once Matt Stafford either You know, say he like hits a wall when he gets up against the Bears, something like that. Or, you know, he gets his bye week or maybe God forbid he gets an injury. Daniel Jones is available. Boom. Just switch him out. Pick him up because you didn't invest anything in him. There's nothing that you're really losing at that point. You got everything you could earlier in the season to get yourself ahead and get yourself ready for the playoffs. And now you're coming in late with Daniel Jones, who's going to have a really nice end of the season schedule to help take you over the line there.
1: Yeah, for me, Matt Ryan and uh, Matthew Stafford are, like, my primary targets. They're basically QB 5 and 6 for me. Uh, Ryan's being drafted as ADB, uh, ADBP 9 and Stafford 13. So pretty good value there, I think.
0: Yeah, I'm curious what your guys' take is on, um, you know, kind of this. It's a very old-school fantasy conundrum where you get so much value from running quarterbacks that guys who maybe aren't as good at playing quarterback – can be about as valuable as guys who are good at playing quarterback, but maybe don't run as much. So let's just like pick well. a couple of names, like Josh Allen and Mitchell Trubisky, a couple of guys who can pick up some rushing yards. Are you more inclined to go that direction, or if in around the same area, would you rather take a guy like you know Carson Wentz, Aaron Rodgers, who isn't going to get you the rushing yards, but is
1: more of just like a true quarterback and a better Carson
2: player? Carson Wentz has legs. Uh, Aaron yeah, Rodgers is a little bit way. too old to use his legs anymore but when you yeah. look at
1: their fantasy production the guys like Josh Allen and what have you they're they're getting boosted up because of their running ability but it's really because they're racking up touchdowns Josh yeah, Allen uh, ran for nine touchdowns I was say, that's be, yeah n- and those are negative regression si- going in on in most leagues so. that's a six-point touchdown rather than a passing touchdown which this is typically four, yeah. like four that's true. Um, so that's the advantage but it, it, it it's what we've talked about with running backs and wide receivers. It's, it, there's touchdown regression is bound to happen with those running QBs. So you you might look at last year's stats and be like, whoa, Josh Allen was a top 10 performer. Crazy. Now he's added Stefan Diggs. The offense around him is only getting better. His game's improving. No, not so much because if those nine touchdowns all of a sudden are like four, which entirely possible, right? Oh, yeah. oh, those yeah. are so like fluky and situational suddenly he's gone from, Oh, a top 10 quarterback to like, he shouldn't have been on your bench. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the difference between top 10 and eh, in that 18 to 20 range seem it's minimal. When you look at the points per game, it's massive though. When you consider like the 18, 18th, 18th best quarterback and beyond shouldn't be on anyone's roster in your 12 team league. No. Those top 10 guys should
2: be. So, But the point is, if other people are taking those quarterbacks, that means there's more running backs and wide receivers available for you to take advantage of, getting someone like, you know, OBJ off the waiver wire, someone like Terry McLaurin off the waiver wire. These are guys that are going to win your league if you're paying attention and you have the space to pick them up and make them available. So taking up that spot with a backup quarterback for me is just useless, man.
1: Yep. And I, I mean, I love running quarterbacks stylistically, but they got to be giving me yards like Lamar does. It can't just be rushing touchdowns because those can be so fluky. All
0: right. That's good stuff. Um, before we kind of wrap up the quarterback section, are there any guys who you think maybe are worth a late flyer guys who maybe should be um, valued more than they are currently being valued?
1: If I'm missing out on Stafford or Ryan, I'll be looking hard on guys like Kirk Cousins later on in my draft. like it. Jared Goff, uh, Mm. potentially even big Ben Roethlisberger. I think, uh, you know, when they've been healthy, that passing offense has been pretty explosive. I mean, talk about, you know, guys all about the high upside veterans. You could draft big Ben and him turn out to be like a top six quarterback. Yeah, I I could totally see that, you know, and I think he's like, ADP 17 right now seems like good value late in the draft so really golf cousins big Ben those are guys I'm targeting late in the draft for sure
2: yeah Ben concerns me a little bit not just because of his injury history but because they have a really good defense and I think that they're gonna turn more to that kind of ground and pound style of offense because they want to to protect him a little bit more so Ben's not really a guy that I'm hyped on I mean if he was like the last guy on the board um, I might pick him up but he's not something I'm gonna go out out of my way to get um yeah, honestly, it's it's for me like I would go with someone young, like a Joe Burrow. Um mm, that's I someone like who like or a well, Drew Locke. Yep. Mm, uh, really? Well, I just think that in, in Denver it changes, man. When you play in these leagues with Broncos fans, they oh, end up yeah. they end up taking America, people earlier than
1: they should go. Well, even forget Broncos fans, he's ADP twenty one. That's yeah. in front of Kirk Cousins, that's in front of Gardner Minshew, that's in front of Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Uh, Derek Carr, Dwayne Haskins, like, I love Drew, but I don't know if you can count on his production being better than all those guys.
2: Yeah, I think there's just a lot of question marks with that offensive scheme, so I think Jared Goff was a good call there uh, towards the end of the season, um, but there's Let a lot up. of games here above 20 points. Um, okay. They really started to find their groove again as an offense, yeah. and um, with a younger stable of running backs, uh, you know, there are going to be some question marks there, and they trust Jared Goff, and mm-hmm. they have a very a lot of consistency, at the receiver and tight end position. Um, So I think he's very comfortable um, in his rapport with those guys. Um, So you're going to see more production on that side of things. And I think that they kind of realized what got them to the Super Bowl that they tried to then go away from last season really hurt them. And going back to that towards the end of the season is what uh, renewed their success. So I think that Sean McVay is smart enough to realize that.
1: Uh, and I think that we're going to see a lot more production from Jared Goff. So he me, feels like a nice buy low candidate. Yeah, exactly. Right now. Everyone's kind of low on him. but And Trubisky a great example of what you were talking about last year. Just two Russian touchdowns. Fantasy sock plummeted from being a top five guy the year prior.
0: Oh, huh. yeah. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Um, actually, one more question on the quarterbacks. Is there anybody on your do not touch list? Tom Brady. <laughs>
1: Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady, absolutely, with where you're drafting him. Aaron Rodgers is the same way for me. I'm yeah. not messing with Aaron Rodgers.
0: Especially in that offense. And like I said before,
2: I think – um, what's his name? Daniel Jones is on my do-not-draft list as well because I think that his se- start to the season is going to be so tough to me that he's an easy saying. drop candidate for whoever picks him up, and hmm. you're going to be getting him off the waiver wire anyway if you really want him. There's no reason to be wasting a draft spot on him. So uh, while I do think he'll have a good late season – He's not worth the draft spot because he's going to be so
0: bad in the beginning that you're going to be able to get him off the waiver wire. So.
1: I'm not sure there's much value in drafting Carson Wentz. Uh,
0: you know, because he's another one of those guys who you just can't trust to stay healthy. And I just don't want to be dealing Wait, with that with my him, quarterback. But the wide receivers, oh, my God. Yeah, Jalen Ragers, right. their rookie, yeah. is already yeah. injured. Everybody. Everybody. you got what's-his-name
2: starting on the pop, Alshon Jeffrey.
1: He's being drafted as ADP-12. That just feels way too high, man. Way yeah. too high.
0: It sure does. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into these tight ends now.
1: Man, um, this is a fun group.
0: Yeah. And uh, this is one where we do have some differences. You know, I'm very firmly... My strategy is unless something crazy happens, unless it's the third round and Travis Kelsey's sitting there, I'm not touching a tight end until a ways through this draft. I want to get into the ninth round or so and then probably just take stabs at a couple of guys you know looking through the list guys like you know maybe pick up uh you maybe like, like no a Goddard in there maybe uh oj howard is in there i don't know but a couple Yikes. of those a couple of those late guys and find one who hits a uh, dre you see things differently You aren't necessarily in on the top two guys, but you think that there's a pretty clear separation between the next handful of guys after that and the
1: rest of the league. I think the top five, it's almost a five and a half. It depends on uh, if you're a Tyler Higby in the second half of 2019 believer, which I suppose I am. I think outside of that top six, though, man, it gets rough. Um, So I just think you're going to have a significant advantage over like 50% of your league when you do have one of those top six guys. Uh, So
2: the question for me is just what you're missing out on by taking that pick at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been playing around a lot. You know, if I have some like a pick that's in the middle, of the rounds yeah um where say in the second round when things come back to you and pretty much all those all of your favorite running backs are gone yeah there are some decent receivers there but at the same time if you grab a kelsey or a kittle right there how do things shape up right yep. i think in the right situation it can work out but if you're missing out on good running back prospects to jump on like a travis kelsey say at the beginning of the second like if you're in that position i think that's a big mistake because th- when you go back and talk about that value over replacement when you're streaming, there's a lot of potential that can be had, like this Tyler Higby that you can be picking up off the waiver wire. There's, go- there's going to be guys like that that pop up again this season. Someone like a Mike Kosicki, who mm-hmm. I hope I'm not the only one that's high on him. Someone like a Hayden Hurst. I'm looking right now. Hayden Hurst is uh, tied in 12. You're able to get him way down like uh, late 10th, early 11th round. These are guys that they have that potential of a high ceiling. Obviously not as high as like a Travis Kelsey or uh, George Kittle. But you're getting them at such a late round that the uh, value that you're able to get from those early rounds from other positions is going to make up for that.
1: Yeah, it's it's really interesting with uh, Kelsey Kittle. It is because I think if there's one silver lining on having that dreaded middle of the first pick, uh, that the Dalvin Cook era, era uh, area <laughs> of the draft for for guy that he hates, I think that's where. In the second round, I do strongly consider Travis Kelsey because he's such a massive advantage over the rest of the tight ends. But yeah, you're right. The cost of losing out on one of those top 12 running backs potentially for me is too much. So one of them would have to be gone. Kelsey would still have to be available for me to work that out. So I'm intrigued. I think the value above replacement could be significant. But it's probably it's not my like strategy. A I'm still trying to double up on the top twelve running backs. Yeah. After that though, I have no qualms with going after Mark Andrews in the fourth, Darren Waller in the fifth, Tyler Higby in that area, and okay, I might miss out on an AJ Brown, but that's okay. I'm gonna get a Cooper cup, a Robert Woods, a DJ shark. I'm going to get someone like that to drop to me anywhere. If that's my opportunity cost is missing out on one of those receivers in that 20 to 30 range where I like love all of them. Mm -hmm. So be it. I'm going to be able to double triple up on that group. Anyways, if it means I'm guaranteed a solid tight end one, I'm all about it.
0: Yeah. I I think that's a really good point. And If I'm being honest, I think it kind of does change my perspective a little bit because it is true that there are a lot of receivers that everybody is going to like in that sixth round, in that seventh round. And so maybe using that fifth round pick on a tight end, that might be more of a separator than uh, waiting and getting more options at receiver.
1: Um, Because all our strategies in ranking these positions thus far has been to kind of eliminate risk. I don't know how you eliminate risk once you get out of the top six tight ends. I mean, they're all shots in the dark. They're all rolls of the dice. And look, Evan Ingram could easily be a top five tight end Mm -hmm. if he stays healthy. But I don't know. New offensive coordinator. I don't love Daniel Jones. I don't love the rest of that offense. Color me skeptical. Noah Fant could do that. But Mm -hmm. Denver's also added a lot of other targets, you know? So how's he going to compete in that? Everyone else just has so much uncertainty those top six guys give me so much more safety comparatively.
0: Yeah. Um, Let's just kind of jump in at the top because I think the Kelsey Kittle discussion, um, honestly, maybe we're just not having it enough. It seems like almost a foregone conclusion that Travis Kelsey is the true number one Uh, points per game last year tied um, the year before Kelsey with about a point on George Kittle. Is there any world in which you're taking George Kittle ahead of Travis
1: Kelsey? For me, no.
2: Yeah, I'd say no. Just because of the consistency in the uh, Kansas City offense as a whole, uh, I believe in that more than I believe in the consistency of San Francisco. I think they're trying to yep. find their identity again. Um, and I really – I'm very wary of, you know, teams that lose a Super Bowl. Mm. How they mm-hmm. come back the next season hangover, is yeah. very – I mean, you know, you, you can call it superstitious, but if you go back and look at stats, like the Rams just fell off the map. Yeah. Uh, the Panthers fell off the map after they had like a record-setting season with Cam Newton. Thing. Yep. Uh, Matt Ryan and the Falcons, after they came back, they mm-hmm. crashed down to earth. Um, it's it's alarming, uh, and I really, I kind of just, I do believe in George Kittle as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what they're gonna do at running back, and they've been having some issues with the rest of their wide receiver core. Um, with Debo Samuel uh, unable to stay healthy, um, obviously Emmanuel Sanders went to New Orleans. We really just we don't know kind of what they're going to look like next season. Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously, a lot's been said about him in terms of like you know national media, but like from a fantasy perspective, he's not consistent enough um, to really buy into the offense as a whole outside of George Kittle. So while he is good, I think that you are at this point kind of buying into his ceiling uh, and not taking into account where the hangover could leave him, even if he has his you know standout plays. If everyone else is around him struggling. There's only so much he can do. He can't put yep. the entire team on his back. Um, so I'd personally I, I, there's no world in which I would take him above Kelsey yeah. no and I'm worried about taking him anything earlier than the third round. So
1: Yeah, the, there's two clear separators, um, just the, the number of opportunities. To me, the San Francisco passing offense, that's like a 4,000-yard passing offense. The mm-hmm. Kansas City passing offense is more like a 5,000-yard passing offense. Mm-hmm. The other thing is something we've talked about before with the wide receivers. If you're game planning against the 49ers, the one guy you want to eliminate is George Kittle. That's the one guy you're bracketing, double-teaming, and trying to take out of the game. You're not doing that when you're game-planning against the Chiefs. You're trying to take away McColey Harmon. You're trying to take away Tyreek Hill. You're trying to take away their big weapons, which means you're you're actually kind of game-planning to allow Travis Kelsey to have, like, 10 receptions for 70 yards. You're just hoping he doesn't get that, that touchdown. Um, yep. And, you know, 136 targets last there year. I don't think that's going to decrease much. And they still have him in the red zone, too. Yeah, you can't really... Aside from Zach Ertz, no one can really even come close to the number of targets. And exactly. Ertz is much more injury-prone. So.
0: Yep, you brought up the 136 targets last year. Kelsey was targeted 150 times the year before that. Uh, just for comparison's sake, uh, George Kittle, 107 targets last year. 136 the year before that, though. So who knows? I will say that... That's like
1: almost a Michael Thomas-like separator. It is.
0: It is. And I think that, uh, to me, when I look back through kind of like the top five teams, let's call it in the NFL, the one team that I see really regressing this year is the 49ers. I do think yep, that those yep. receivers aren't quite good enough to get the passing game yep. going the way that you, I think, need it to, to repeat the performance mm-hmm. they had last year. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, I have my doubts there, too. I do think that Travis Kelsey probably is a pretty clear number one, but behind those two, you have guys like Mark Andrews, Zach Ertz, Darren Waller. Um, is that the order you put them in?
1: Man, yes. I don't think that's the huh. order most would put them in. I'm, I'm. I thought I was like the highest man on Mark Andrews in the world, but I guess the fantasy world is a uh, pretty much in agreement with me on that one. I just think I'm buying into that Ravens offense. He had 852 yards, ten touchdowns last year. That was on just 98 targets. They trade away Hayden Hurst, so now he's uh, more of just that it's number true. one target at tight end. Um, I, I love his upside. I just
2: don't know if there's enough pass attempts to go around there they're not a pass heavy offense I think they were number one in rushing attempts last season correct Mm -hmm. and with Lamar Jackson being able to do so much on his own with his feet um, it just takes away so many like even though opportunities are opening up with Hayden Hurst leaving I just don't know if there's enough there for him to take that step into I mean what he's going in like the third, fourth round. That to me is just absurd. Like, again, this is a guy that you're buying his ceiling. You're buying, he has to perform at that ceiling for you to get back what you invested in him. And I don't think he's going to get there. Like he'll have his big games. Yes. But taking him in the third or the fourth is just mind boggling to me. I mean, like, sure. If he finishes as the tight end three, that's all well and good. But how does that stack up against running backs and wide receivers? You could have gotten around that point. That to me is the important distinction there. Like, he may rank number three amongst tight ends, but where does he rank amongst all offensive performers? And to me, it's not high enough to warrant wasting anything higher than, like, if he followed him, maybe, like, I don't know, like the sixth or the seventh, which obviously is never going to happen. No. But, like, no at that point, sure, I'd take him. But in the fourth? Yeah. No,
0: still no. You know, I, I do. at th- the fourth. Yeah. I think that uh, the one argument that you really could make for somebody like Mike- Mark Andrews is just looking at the numbers last year where Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, both with the 9.8 points per game. Mark Andrews right behind him at 9.6, and that's after him where you really see the big drop-off.
1: Um, Here's what I'll say about Andrews and the Ravens' offense. Their passing game is a big play off a of play action off the RPO mm-hmm. passing game. So the wide receivers aren't going to get a lot of volume. They're more going to get like big plays and take them to the house. The one target that is getting volume is Mark Andrews. Mm -hmm. So while we might see a little touchdown regression, I think the targets could go up from 98. I think the receptions could go up from 64. I think the Mm -hmm. yards could go up from 852. If now he's suddenly in that 900-yard range, you're talking about a pretty special tight end, historically speaking.
0: Yeah, and and you brought up the touchdown regression. He had 10 last year. Five apiece for Kelsey and Kittle, I think you're going to see both those go up and Andrews go down and there'll yeah. be a more clear you're separation. Ta-
2: you're talking about 900-yard receivers. Like, Let's put this in the perspective of wide receivers. Like, That's basically what Jarvis Landry is going to get you, but you're getting him in the seventh round. So why are you spending right. a third, fourth-round pick to get a guy that's going to get you the same production as a wide receiver you could be getting
1: in the seventh round? Because in the seventh round, I can get no one close to <laughs> – as productive as Mark Andrews in my tight end spot, I, think, I, still I can find guys plenty of wide receivers that I would have passed on in the fourth that I can still find in the seventh and are going to be. Terry
2: McLaurin in the fourth to me has so much more potential there, or a DJ Chark has so much more potential there to carry your team than a Mark Andrews does. And like you're saying with that, like that uh, play action that they're running there in uh, in Baltimore, like that's to me, it points towards boomer bust games. And that's something that I really like with a third or fourth round pick. That's not something I'm really excited by. I want some, so, someone with a little more consistency.
1: Looking at ADP, what we're talking about would be passing on someone like Sutton, Ridley, Tyler Lockett in in that 40 ADP yep. to still you'd pass on them for someone in the 70s like DJ Chark, Stefan Diggs, Devonte Parker, AJ Green, Gallup, Marquise Brown. I'm okay with that.
2: that mm.
1: Me, it's a it's a discussion though. To and that's me, what we're that here for is. Isn't that steep?
0: Oh huh? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I see, see it. Uh, it's tough though. Uh, moving on from there though, outside of these top guys, who else do you like? You brought up Tyler Higby. Dre. Is there anybody else?
1: Bro, Tyler Higby is a beast. Those numbers from the second half of last year are absurd. What was he averaging? 20 points per game?
2: Uh, yep. Uh, a little over that. That's insane.
1: Um, also very high on Darren Waller. 117 targets. Can't argue with that. Not too scared about the wide receivers they've added. After that, man, whoo, there's a steep drop off. I guess the top dude I would prioritize is Evan Ingram. Yeah. I think some might prioritize Hunter Henry ahead of him without Phil Rivers, I'm way too scared by Hunter Henry. Yep. Ingram can be a really really dynamic receiving tight end. If he can stay healthy and if the offense around him uh, can be multiple enough, two big ifs, and it's why I'm so high on the top 6 ahead of him, but he's my first target if I'm if the top 6 are gone. Uh,
0: okay. I think that makes sense. I do think that, that makes sense. Um Guy, anybody that you like? Any sleeper-ish guys or yeah. like true sleepers?
2: Mike Gasicki. Um, this is a guy that you're going to be able to get in yep. like the 12th, 13th round of your draft yep. there. Yep. Um, I mean, his hype has been going up a little bit, so maybe not mm-hmm. that late. But even then, you're still getting him in the double digits like the 10th, 11th round. i um, looking here right now. From week 9 on, Gasicki was the tight end 7. Uh, okay. So again, when you talk about Tyler Higby's mm-hmm. production, Gasicki should mm-hmm. be in that same conversation right there. They really don't have a running game. And, you know, with a young quarterback in Tua, if they start to bring him in, he's going to need a safety blanket. And I think Gusicki really offers that for him. And he's a really good uh, red zone option as well. So it's athletic too.
0: Yeah. And a freak
2: athlete, yeah, in fact. He's huge. He's a big guy. And it's like this is like the – I don't want to like christen him as the next Gronk, but what he does reminds me of Gronk um and again this is a guy that you're getting in say the 10th 11th round i think the value there is enormous so for me it would be him and then uh, potentially hayden hurst um which he's been getting hyped up as well so his stock is rising a little bit but it still looks like you'll be able to get him in like the 12th round and uh i think that hayden hurst being a part of that uh, matt ryan offense like we were saying before um you've got like say todd Gurley goes down like i mean they're gonna be passing a lot and they have such a bad defense that
1: They'll be passing a yeah, lot regardless. It's Matt Ryan. And
2: yeah, like you said, they're going to be passing a lot regardless. Hayden Hurst is going to find a lot of space in that offense when you've got Julio Jones on one side and Calvin Ridley on the other that's just opening up the middle. Hayden Hurst is going to get a lot of opportunities there. And again, I got you me getting in the double-digit rounds. I'd way rather, if I didn't get Kelsey, I'm waiting all the way until the 10th round to get a guy. I'm, I'm not taking anyone in the middle rounds. That's just me personally. Uh, I like the talent of George Kittle, but I'm not comfortable enough with the 49ers as a team to warrant me taking him where he's going. Um, So I'd rather wait on a guy. And those are two of my big guys after that. Um, I mean, guys like TJ Hawkinson could see um, a decent amount of snaps if you want to um, kind of invest in that. He has had concussion problems. um, But being part of that Matt Stafford offense, um, the consistency that's going on there, I like that. Um, And he's a good um, streaming option there as well. Um, And then going a little further down, Uh, someone like Blake Jarwin in Dallas um, with the volume that they're going to be seeing as well. Obviously he's going to have to contend with three other pass catchers in Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup and Ceedee lamb. Not to mention Um, Zeke. Yeah. But at the same time, I think there's still potential for him there. And that's a guy that you're getting. He's going to potentially be undrafted. So he'll be a good, um, a streaming option. I'm, I'm big on streaming
0: personally. So Mm -hmm. Uh, you did, uh, when you were talking about Mike just you did bring up Rob Gronkowski. When do we consider Gronk?
2: I don't. I If he was on the waiver wire and I like I saw the first part of the season and he was doing decently, I might pick him up as a waiver wire option, but there's no world in which I'm drafting him. It's just not happening, man. ADP
1: 13, you're going to live and die on his touchdowns. That's going to be the setup with Gronk. You're going to really hope he can stay healthy. I was going
2: to say. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're also going to have to hope that... He's part of the offense that they're drawing up. You're also going to have to hope well, that Tom Brady is, can stay right? healthy. Yeah, yeah. There's that's, so I mean, many issues going is on, here. but I just don't want any part of it. I'd rather have a guy that just has more upside, personally.
1: See, I think he has way more upside than like Hayden Hurst. Really? Yeah. I, I was never a fan of Hayden Hurst. I always thought he was overrated, got drafted into the first round. Um, famously, the Ravens' first first round ahead of Lamar Jackson, which... Let that sink in for a second. That's insane. Um,
2: 32 teams, bet, or 31 at least, passed on him, yeah. right? Because he was a 32nd pick. So. That's right.
1: So, I don't know. I, Gronk, I guess, might be someone I consider. Goddard, to me, is one of those higher upside late picks. I mean, you are praying that Zach Ertz gets hurt early. But, dude, Goddard's a top three tight end if hurts get his, gets injured a,
2: a guy that's a backup on his own team i don't want any part of that
1: i mean last year he had 144 fantasy points he had more yards and the same amount of touchdowns as mike Gesicki, more receptions too
2: yeah but they didn't start to integrate mike Gesicki until the end of the season so well, i think I, it's a tailored was halves, the right? backup all year yeah personally i would just i'd rather go with a guy that's the number one on his own team i think there's just more potential there for me
0: speaking of I number mean, twos on their own team this is kind of a deep sleeper, which is not usually a good pick in a uh, mm. fantasy draft when you're talking about tight ends. But uh, Will Disley, he's only played, I believe, what? Uh, i trying to pull this up, and it's not loading right. Um, he played four games in 2018, was the eighth player by points per game. Last year, he only played six games. He was... Uh, the seventh best. He's behind Greg Olson who you can't trust. I'll just throw it out there. If Will Disley's playing and, and uh, he's on the waiver wire, it, it's somebody to keep your eyes open to as the season progresses. Dude, a torn Achilles is not a joke, man.
2: Yeah. Like ACL ACL nowadays is an injury that you can come back from, but torn Achilles, like that ends careers, man. Oh, it does. And guys just they don't have the same explosiveness. And he's only played eight games in his entire career, in his two year career. That's crazy, man. I think
0: it's ten, but I have like still five, five <laughs> yeah. guys
1: on the way on my waiver priority at the position I might have higher. That's like Irv fair. Smith Junior in yeah. that Gary Kubiak offense, I think could take over for Kyle Rudolph become the primary tight end in that offense. You just the problem is Rudolph's still there as the red zone option, so you're going to hope you get a little touchdown luck with Herb Smith Jr. Um, another guy who kind of later on I would consider is Dawson Knox of the Bills. He's kind of cut out of the same cloth as an Evan Ingram, just like a freak athlete who I could see kind of blowing up this year. And Jay Sternberg, mm-hmm. uh, tons of talent for the the tight end out of Texas A&M, who's now with the Packers as their top tight end. Uh, kind of Gisecki-like Um, in that the talent's all there. He's going to be tight end one, and I like that offense a little more. And finally, as far as deep, deep, deep sleepers, Cole Komet, who I think uh, the rookie tight end for the Bears, they've loaded up on a lot of tight ends. I think he'll be the number one guy and the guy they feature most in the passing offense. And uh, you never know, Taysom Hill. It's true. Taysom Hill, if he's listed out tight end, might be worth a flyer in your 16-team league. (laughs) All right, Uh, any other thoughts on the tight ends before we talk about these defenses? I mean, like, Noah offense, another guy I might roll the dice on if I'm not getting Ingram and I'm kind of stuck in that next tier of tight ends. But, yeah, man, the rest of the group, we've kind of set them all. Yeah. It's a lot of rolls of the dice, and there are six, like, true certainties. It's true. Just going to reiterate that point. That is true. Um, Let's jump into these defenses,
0: then. Where do you go? First of all, is there anybody worth not waiting until the very end for? When is the earliest you're going to think about taking one of these defenses? Pfft, pretty the second much. to last pick, because yeah. my last pick yeah, is kicker. I agree. I totally agree.
2: Yeah, I, anyone that reaches – I mean, the the people that used to reach for, like, the Seattle defense and everything, oh, my God, those are the guys that I saw at the end of the season just not setting their lineups because they just – yep. Is just a waste. Yeah. Like,
0: of, of all the fantasy positions, the defense is the one where you typically see the most turnover from year to year to year. And oh, yeah. the projections are the furthest off on. And if for no other reason than that, I am waiting as long as I can to take one. Just because you're not guaranteeing yourself anything by taking the number one defense over the number two, over the number three, over the number four, over the number five. You know, that said... Say everybody in your draft is a smart fantasy football player, and you wound up with the very last pick of the first round, which means you get the first pick of the second to last round, or whatever happens, and you get your choice of the defenses. Where are you going?
1: I guess I, man, and so tough, too, because they have a monster schedule. But I think I'd go with the 49ers. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. I just believe in that I pass rush. I know, but. Look, the Seahawks are going to turn the ball over. They're not going to light you up for forty points. You watch those Niners-Seahawks games last year; they were like twenty to twenty bloodbaths. The Rams are the same way. Don't scare me a ton. You know, look, your Cardinals—they're going to have some fun matchups, but they—they have such an advantage in the trenches. They're going to get a lot of uh, penna- you know pressure. I think they're going to force some turnovers. So I—I I like the I like the Niners. If I'm forced to pick a defense, that's the way I'm going. And they're young. I if think there's I'm, still margins to improve.
2: If I'm forced to pick a defense, it's it's sort of like a 1A, 1B situation for me. But my 1A would be the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And my 1B would be the Bears. Interesting, um, the Bears. Yeah. I think that – well, let's start with the Steelers. Uh, their start to the season, they play the Giants, the Broncos, whoever. You may believe in that offense. It's still the second game of the season for them. Uh, Texans, Titans, Eagles, Browns, and then they don't have to play the Ravens until week seven. Obviously, the Ravens are going to be a concern. Yep. But other than that, the rest of that defense is, uh, I mean, you've got a very young team in Cincinnati who's trying to figure out what they're going to be, so there's a lot of potential for turnovers oh there. Yeah. The Browns are just don't a, a yeah. laughingstock. Yep. Um, they don't scare anybody. And then other than that, I mean, the divisions that they're playing against, they get to play the Jags again. Um, Washington, who we still don't know their team name. The Bills, the Colts. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. in there for that team to feast, and they have a very good defense And it's built by Mike Tomlin, who is one of the best defensive-minded coaches of this generation. I think that they just – and the way that their offense is set up as well, again, they need to try to protect Ben Roethlisberger, and they don't have a lot of opportunity to just be bombing the ball deep. Mm -hmm. They need to play a lot more conservatively. I think that that defense is going to benefit from somewhat of a lack of offense as well. That's just going to be their style of play. They're going to keep games low-scoring, and there's going to be a lot of opportunities for turnovers for them. So – Personally, the Steelers are high on my list, especially because of that early season schedule. After that, the Bears. I mean, the Bears have just always had, like, no matter what happens on their offense, they've always had such consistency on their defense. They've got, yeah. you know, big playmakers and guys like Cleo um, uh, Mack. Mack. Um, yeah, I, they just—they always seem to defy expectations and have such a good defense that, for
0: me, I'd like to—if
2: I'm forced to draft one—like, <laughs> it would be Steelers and
0: then Bears in my mind. You know, the the thing about the Bears, though, is that they had such a rough year last year. And I think that's because the offense put, I mean, even the defense, I, I said that wrong. They did not have a bad year as a defense. They had a bad year as a fantasy defense. They were the 20th ranked defense in the league. And I just don't trust Mitch Trubisky and that offense to not put them in bad situations. And for me, that kind of is the first thing I look at. Actually, second, first thing I want to look at is sacks. I want sacks because I think that that is a big splash play that's going to help a defense put up points, but also I think you're going to get that pretty consistently throughout the season, and you can project it a little bit more from year to year than you can, say, a bunch of playmakers in the secondary pulling you interceptions. When I look at the Bears, you see the sacks, but behind that, I think that defense does, or the offense does put them in bad situations. I like your Steelers pick. I think the 49ers are a good pick, too, um... I'd almost throw the bucks up in that conversation. Whoa! Yeah, I know, I know, it's crazy, but that's what happens with with these against defenses. Against the Saints? Uh, the, no, the Saints are right up there too. The Saints are right up there. As no, I know, defense, but they're, they're playing, playing the
1: Saints twelfth uh, twice a year. Yeah. the Falcons oh, that's, twice a that's year. That's fair. Like if you're picking on weak divisions, which is what you're doing with mm-hmm. the looking at the schedule, can't go wrong with the Pats or Bills. It's true. AFC East doesn't scare you at all in
0: offense. Patriots yeah. highest scoring fantasy defense last year. And I'm but always looking at like the early season schedule out. as well,
2: because mm-hmm. that's that mm-hmm. is like the prime position for streaming and whatever you're drafting, you just want immediate impact from it, and then you can ditch it and yeah. get something better later on. Once you actually see how teams are kind of panning out, um, I, I'd rather have a, a team that has a really good early season schedule. So for the Bears specifically, I mean they start the the season off with the Lions, which they're a high-scoring offense, but they also turn the ball over, so there's potential there. And then they get to see the Giants, the Colts, the Panthers, the Bucks, all within their first six. So um, there's a lot, of, a lot of opportunity for them there to start the season off well in terms of fantasy points. After that, you can start streaming. So,
0: All right. Um, any more thoughts on the defense, or are we right. uh, no. good to go here?
1: The stream approach, it, you kind of got to pick your defense by, like, week seven, though. Because then disagree. the waiver wire kind of gets dried up. You're not getting those top matchups necessarily always.
2: Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I think I've had – there have been weeks where things have been a little bit difficult, but I think down the stretch you can actually start to see a lot of good matchups pop up. You're looking more not for a good defense but for a really horrific offense. You can follow around like someone like the last year. I think it was Miami, Jacksonville, and um, Cincinnati. You just see whoever they're playing and play yeah, yeah. those three – uh, mm. Defenses that's playing against them is available. You just snap them up, and they're like guaranteed points. I mean, the Jags in years past, the Browns in years past, uh, even the Lions. Some of those years, it was just whoever they're playing. You're picking up that defense. So yeah, no, I hear you. You're, but you're not holding on to it for more than a week. It doesn't. It doesn't work out every single week, but it's it's actually somewhat consistent.
0: So, all right. Uh, anybody have any thoughts on any kickers?
1: Nope. No. I mean, go with kickers on high-scoring offenses. Yep. Yeah and ne- never draft a kicker before the final round ever yeah, ever never do it
0: what if i'm thinking like wow. let
1: others in your league do all these things we've been talking about let them reach on a quarterback on a defense on a kicker you be the dude that just stays patiently and lets everything fall
0: what if i'm thinking huh this is why i play in leagues with henry i know no i fear notorious for overthinking this. She's willing to uh, entertain all. all. Let's think this thought. Um, So let's just say a guy like uh, mm, LaVisca Chenault is a guy who I say I want and I don't think anybody else is going to touch him. Then can I maybe take a kicker in the second to last round? Nope. Okay. Just Just go go get your guy, man.
2: You never know if someone else just so happens to like that guy as well. And you'll be kicking yourself, no pun intended, if you took a (laughs) kicker over that guy if you see a guy you like like we were just having this discussion earlier i really really was high on chris thompson and Mm. i should have just gone and got him and someone else ended up getting him and here we are sitting here with Leonard Fournette on another team and chris thompson now having a prime opportunity that someone was able to get for damn near free because i went out and took someone else instead of him because i was convinced he would be around in the next round if you like a guy you go and get him
1: the value above replacement for the top kicker in fantasy last year on a per game basis was of 2.3 points. So if you had the very top, the top performer in all of fantasy, he was still just two points per game better than the guy you got off the waiver wire.
0: Yep. Well, that's too bad. Okay. Well, kickers aren't important. Defenses are almost important. And uh, I think that kind of sums up all of our positional previews before we jump into a couple of questions that people have left for us, uh, which you can do, too. If you go to the DNVR.com, uh, you can find the uh, posts for all of the podcasts that we record the live shows as well. And we'll jump in yeah. and look at those comments that you leave on those posts and uh, might not get to them every show, but we will get to them. And that's what we're going to do after I tell you how much we love our presenting sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook with football right around the corner. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving all users a no-brainer to start the season. Listen to me while I say this, because you don't want to miss it. Have you ever seen a football team lose by
1: 100 points? I mean, at certain levels, yes.
2: We've been over this. I believe that the uh, Colorado Buffaloes lost by 103 uh, in their first ever matchup. Is that correct? Nope. Okay. No. Well, Shout
0: out to Cray for that stat. I had never heard that. And this whole thing just backfired in now my you face. have. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Let's change this question to a different <laughs> question. Are the Chiefs going to lose by more than 100 points no. to the Texans on Thursday? No. That's free money. It's, not happening. it's free money. Oh, do you know where I'm going with this guy? You wow, do. You're a mind reader. Either that or uh, we've done this before. We have. So, DraftKings Sportsbook has moved the spread to... Kansas City plus 101 points for all users. That means that if they lose by 100 points, you win your bet, and you can bet up to $50. It's an incredible deal. They're essentially giving you $50 free. I screwed it up. I have to say this. I screwed it up, so make sure you don't. Yeah, Here's don't what, do what happened. Did, yeah. I, uh, I made some money uh, because I called the Nuggets coming back from down 3-1, and I thought, oh, this is the perfect time for me to drop $50. So I can get my full 50 free dollars from DraftKings Sportsbook. You know have to do that. I was really excited, and I accidentally hit five instead of 50, so I got five free dollars like an idiot instead of the 50 free dollars that you guys should all be getting. So get in there and uh, take advantage of this offer. You can download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code DMVR to take advantage of this no-brainer of an offer. That's promo code DMVR to get in on all of the action for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
1: All right. Uh, Dre, looks like you have some questions pulled up for us. We've got some questions. I'm going to start with... A draft grade. Tommy Bronco Ooh. says, what is up, guys? So I keep looking up my draft grade, and I'm consistently getting a C or B grade. Let me get your guys' take. A few things about the league. Not a PPR. Ten teams. Week 15 and 16 are playoffs. Here's his team. QB1, Matt Ryan, McCaffrey, Phil Lindsay are his running backs. Michael Thomas, Adam Thielen are his wide receivers. Noah Fant, his tight end. C.D. Lamb, his uh, flex, Robbie Gold, his kicker, and then he's got Dallas's defense on the bench. He has O.J. Howard, Cam Akers, Carson Wentz, Debo Samuel, Seattle's defense, and a kicker on the bench. Oh boy, Tommy Bronco! After <laughs> you analyze my lineup, I have one more question: Should I get rid of one of my kickers for another backup running back, or are kickers key? even with one bye bye week. Thank you, guys. All right, what's the grade here, fellas?
0: Okay, first we need to address the elephant in the room, which is that this – our our good friend Tommy Bronco has two kickers. And, uh, yes, he – Two defenses, two quarterbacks. I think there are two
2: tight ends. These are all things that I railed against, and all for the segments we just had, I think that right there, that's the beginning of it. The answer is probably – If it's me, I'm only ever having wide receivers and running backs on my bench, so start
0: there. Yep. I I might throw a tight end in. I might take a shot on Drew Locke. I might do some other dumb stuff, too. You might have a second kicker. Uh, That's not a problem that I've had. So, yeah, Tommy Bronco, here's the advice. Yes, get rid of the extra kicker. Probably get rid of the extra extra defense. Yep. And you can uh, probably get rid of Carson Wentz as well. Pick up some waiver wire, guys. See what's out there. Um, you know, I will say in terms of a starting lineup, this isn't all that bad. You know, no, Christian I mean, McCaffrey, McCaffrey, the, Thomas
1: are, yeah, top you five have the, picks. the, the number sure one running balls.
0: back, you have the number one, Michael, but you have the number one running back, number one wide receiver that is going to keep you in a lot of games. And either one of those guys could win you any sort of game.
2: I'm a little, uh, I I'm questioning how he got Michael Thomas and... I know. Christian that's McCann. what I'm wondering, that's that's too. Was that's there a, a, a trade steal. involved? Is and this then like a cleaned up or? with
1: Thielen and got one of my, one of our favorite quarterbacks in Matt Ryan. So it's like There's extremely top-heavy.
2: Yeah, yeah, the middle round's at... Oh, it's probably an auction.
1: Could be an auction. Oh, Does he so mention? Yeah, this is going
2: stars and uh interesting so
1: i mean you consider how top heavy it is the flex cd lamb wouldn't be my first choice but like no. acres debo exactly. samuel exactly. you've got options Cam there acres
2: yeah it's got to be an auction
0: yep
1: this is like a, a b minus but i think there's a lot of upside to fill out the rest of the roster by listening in with us every week and make turning this into an a roster yeah. i think
0: i think that we could work all together the four of us sure
1: <laughs> and uh turn this into a championship contender i agree
0: Speaking of auctions,
2: we haven't really talked about auctions that much. One of my favorite strategies in auctions, if you're doing this, uh, I like to nominate some of my favorite sleepers in the first couple rounds because if you get guys that you're willing to really only pay a dollar on and other people are paying more than that on mm-hmm. them, you're depleting their stock. Yeah. But if you're able to get your sleepers right away and just fill them out, like nominating kickers is one of my favorite things to do as well because I can just get like... If it's Harrison Bucker, like I'm getting Harrison Bucker for a dollar, that's like chill because he's the number one kicker. If someone's paying $2 for him, then they're a fool who just paid $2 for a kicker. So I think there's some strategy that
1: goes into it with that. I love nominating guys I, are, who are on my do not draft exactly, list, but are you. like in top 25 ADP. You know, I'm like,
2: notorious in my leagues for nominating Raiders because like, I'm always I the one who isn't going to take and other people just waste their money on Raiders, and I'm yep. like, good. Now we got them out of the way. And I also nominate Broncos because I know that there are people that will just have bidding wars for Broncos, and then you just get them to start depleting all of their money, and all of a sudden you can come in a little bit later and just start cleaning up on guys who were like down there in like tier 2 and 3 that people just cannot afford to start spending money on, and you're getting them for good value. There's a ton of strategies involved in auction. I don't think it's
0: utilized enough. And uh, another thing I'll add about auctions, um, and actually, really, this isn't even about auctions. It's about normal leagues. But if you're making a trade, a quick way to just uh, make sure you're not being uh, totally screwed over is to look up the auction values of the guys in the trades. Just understand what's going on with uh, the, the how players are valued. And this mostly works in the first week or two. Yeah, I was going to say, it really make... only works in the first oh, week yeah. or two. But but then if you do check, you can just make sure, if you are somebody who maybe isn't as good at fantasy football, make sure those values make sense. Make sure those values make sense. Because otherwise, if you're trading uh, the guy you drafted in the fifth round and the seventh round for the guy you got in the second round, it can be kind of tough to put together if you are new to the game. So that's a quick... Little cheat cheat way to uh check on some stuff. I'm um, with him. I can get the next one from Count Locky Lutzer. Yeah. Who's the offensive rookie this season that will impress us the most on the field this year but not be a fancy standout? Love the count. Oh boy. Yes. And I think that we've talked about that. I read that That's and was like, oh, I've read this before. I think I was me and Dre have talked about this a bit. Um easy answer right here. Visca. That man is just – you're going to see him line up in the backfield. You're going to see him line up at tight end. You're going to see him line up everywhere. He's going to look like he fits everywhere. He's big. He's muscular. He's going to uh, score. He's going to pass the eye test when you watch him play. You're going to be like, wow, this is a good guy. In terms of the production, might not be there. Right, right. I don't know. You guys probably don't
2: like my take on this, but I'm going to say Jonathan Taylor. Mm. I think that he, like watching his tape and everything, he's got just boatloads of skill. Yep but everything that I've been reading and hearing and seeing of like how he's integrating into that team just in his rookie year, it's been Rocky. And I think people are so smitten with the tape that they saw and with what's happening to Clyde Edwards, Hilaire that he's being drafted way above where he should be going. I think Marlon Mack also still has a ton of talent left and that team needs his consistency when they're bringing in a guy like Phillip rivers. I think that, Marlon Mack is going to be a lot more impactful on that team in fantasy this season. And Jonathan Taylor is really just going to be playing a background role. I can certainly see in seasons to come, Jonathan Taylor being an amazing running back and he'll have his flashes this season. But from a fantasy perspective, I don't think he's going to live anywhere near that hype just for this season.
0: Any thoughts on that, Dre?
1: That's a decent take. Um, I don't mind that. I think, um, I think if it's as you described, that might be a disappointing season for Jonathan Taylor. I think one guy who might impress but won't have a major fantasy impact could be Anthony McFarlane, the speedy Mm. running back uh, from Maryland who went to the Steelers. He reminds me a lot of Tevin Coleman and Tevin Coleman was just like this uh, to start his career at the Falcons. He was backing up Devontae Freeman when he'd come in. He'd show great flashes, but. It, he has yet to be a solid fantasy contributor, so that's kind of a name um, I gravitate to. There,
0: I throw Brian Edwards out there as well as a guy who. Oh, I think. Oh, I think you're wrong about that. You think he's going to be productive? Oh yeah, fully. I think so. Very too. much, so. really. With and I hate value. talking up
2: Raiders, but I think he's going to be really it. good, man.
0: I think he's going to be. We love him. I do love him, and I do think that. He is probably the most talented. No, uh, you gotta give a second most talented to him. But with Rugs there, I mean, I how much, can he, really so much can he he really produce? We had so much to cover in our wide receiver have...
2: segment that I didn't have time to talk about him. But I fully believe in him, and like, I, I, I like hate saying lot. that about a Raider. I, like I watched him, him in our dynasty league. I watched on, yeah. him drop so far, and I wanted him so bad because of just the numbers and what I like. Am so dead sure he's gonna do. But I, I cannot have a Raider on my team. <laughs> but he's <laughs> yeah. going to produce, man. He's looked. Awesome in camp, and they started like what uh, was it? Mike Williams that went down with a with a shoulder injury, which he's had a history of shoulder injuries.
0: Oh yeah, so Uh, Terrell Williams. Terrell Williams, sorry, I get them mixed up all the time. I I was, yeah. Mike
1: Williams is also injured. He's always injured, but he (laughs) plays for another. I was wondering where you're going about the two Williams. (laughs) I mean, they're both
2: (laughs) injured, but the point is, there's a lot of opportunity there for Brian Edwards, (laughs) and he's done nothing but impress. And And I think that Rex has been nicked up too. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for him in that offense. and uh, it could I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm excited to see how he performs because I'm not excited to see the Raiders do well, but I think that he is
0: I think he's really going to perform. So. I think
1: I'm with you. Antonio Gandy-Golden would be another one.
0: PGG. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Do you have another comment for us, Dre?
1: Yeah, and then final comment from The Count on our very first fantasy podcast. What are your thoughts on rookie wide receivers like Judy, Lamb, Jefferson – how high is too high to draft him? Say you uh, already got two uh, stellar starters. Love the count.
2: Uh, Man, this is a, that's a tough one. I think you that know, Jerry Judy is going to go too too early in any of our leagues yes, for me to warrant yes. drafting him. Uh, I was very high on Jalen Rager, like very high on Jalen Rager, and all of a sudden he's got, I think, a torn labrum. Yeah. Um, He's going to be out for four weeks, which is going to put him at like a a week three is when he's going to be available for that team. Um, so that one's tough. Uh, CeeDee Lamb is in a very crowded wide receiver core. So while he may have the talent, I just don't know how much opportunity he's actually going to get on that offense. Uh, Justin Jefferson, I think he, to he me, has a lot of potential. He has a lot one, of real yeah. potential this season.
0: And I think that he is getting way overlooked. You know, you can look at Jerry Judy and say, He's the number two receiver, which is going to give him a lot of opportunities. But also, what is this offense? And what even is he as a rookie? You know, I think we all believe he is much better than uh, most rookie receivers. I mean, I, I want to say virtually all rookie receivers just because he is so sharp <laughs> coming into the league. And It's you look so at, hard
2: <sighs> to try and figure bias into this, too. I know. Like we're obviously Broncos fans, but at the same time, <laughs> We're not the only ones seeing this, and it's ludicrous that Jerry Judy dropped to 15. I don't know how that happens,
0: but you congrats to us. I see Justin Jefferson as a guy who is also a number two receiver. He is the number two in Minnesota. CeeDee Lamb, he might get there. I think Gallup stays in front of him all year. But then the separate, to me, like I said, between Judy and Jefferson is that Jefferson's in an established offense with Kirk Cousins, who at the very least is going to run a 3,500 yard passing offenses. Probably, I think upwards of 4,000.
1: Honestly, I, I just don't think those top rookie receivers are the guys you should target. I think it's more guys like Brian Edwards, Michael Pittman, um, Van Jefferson. Jefferson's Thank a Great you. one. Nice. I was going to say like, he's been having
2: offense? an yeah. amazing camp and like, Van Jefferson, like his stock is just blown up yeah. right now. If you're able to get him in a draft with he's like going one of your late, picks, man. that's what I'm saying. Like, his stock is blown up, so like you might want to make sure you get him, but at the same time, like he looks awesome. Yeah. So the,
0: the track record with rookie receivers isn't good. you know I brought it up you know, with the running backs how you've seen a lot of totally good rookie it. running backs. So like last four years, there have been seven who've gone over a thousand yards. The same cannot be said about the receivers. Yeah. the receivers mm-hmm. have struggled. and so if you're going to take a shot on them, don't take them in these mid-rounds where you'd have to take a, a, a Justin Jefferson, a CD lamb type, hold off. Wait till the end because there's almost no chance there's going to over exceed or exceed their expectations when they're drafted. Right, Someone's going (laughs) to surprise. But I think
2: that, like you're saying, the amount of capital that you have to invest to try to find out if it's one of those early guys, I don't think it's worth it because like like a Van Jefferson, if he blows up like, yeah, you got him like way near the end. And he's far outperforming that. But uh, some of the other guys like the Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, CeeDee Lamb, you're kind of buying them at their ceilings already. And that's a rookie ceiling in a very uncertain year where they have to integrate into not just a new offense but the NFL. Yep. So and they have to learn how to play against NFL corners and everything else and learn new offensive systems and everything else. It's just it's too complicated to just come in right away and just explode. I mean, you've got guys that broke the mold on things like that like Terry McLaurin.
0: Exactly. But o- where Odell was Beckham Terry Jr. McLaurin again. getting drafted yeah, last he year? Wasn't. He exactly. Wasn't. You're picking him off the exactly. waiver wire. Exactly.
2: And those that's what you should be looking at is just paying attention. This is the biggest thing is Like we said before, I mean, you're not going to necessarily win your league in the draft, but you can lose it by kind of messing up those early round picks. But what's really winning your league is just paying attention throughout the season, man. Just making sure that you have your eye on certain guys that you're like, I'm intrigued by this person. Let's see how he turns out. Is he performing? Is he getting integrated to the offense? Does he have the trust of the quarterback? And then you're ready to pounce on that when the opportunity shows up. And that's
1: why you got to ride with us and follow us every Tuesday at eight live where we'll answer your questions. We'll talk waiver wire. We will be paying attention to exactly that, that guy just talked about. So you can stay on track of everything on a week by week basis and win your league. Exactly. And we will be here on Tuesday to talk
0: about what you need to know heading into this first week of NFL games. It's crazy. Yep. We are one week and one hour away from the kickoff of oh NFL football, and I could not be more excited. Crazy, y'all. So, yep, as I said, stay tuned in the following podcast, and uh, we are going to see you on Tuesday.